0: What's up, everybody? Lem Woodson here, welcoming you back to another episode of the Champion Forum Podcast with Jeff Hancher. Listen, before we jump into today's show, I want to challenge anyone who has not been on our website in a while. Please go to our website today. Listen, we've added three additional world-class trainers, okay, world class trainers to our team, and this has allowed us to open up additional offerings for Jeff and our team to reach more people with the training they need to become world-class. Look, some of our new offerings are related to increasing sales, uh, sales performance, emotional intelligence, fierce conversations, resilience training, you name it, all right? So make sure you go check it out and book your next training event by going to jeffhancher.com. this is the champion forum podcast with jeff hancher the forum for leaders champions and dreamers well all right everybody you know what that music means yep you guessed it this is another Hancher's how to's coming to you right now say hello to the people jeff
1: hey hey what's up listener Good to be back. I'm actually uh, remote today, but the show must go on. Must go on. So, uh, who knows? You might hear an airplane. You might hear a garbage <laughs> truck. Oh, I don't yeah. know, but I had some things that I wanted to get out that are perfect for the 13th version of Hanch's How To. So yeah. looking forward to diving into it, Lem. Oh, yeah. I've gotten a
0: chance to look at the notes, and uh, this is going to be a good one. I like what I see here.
1: These ones, uh, these are relevant, I believe, uh, to every leader that's listening and uh, as, as most of you know that listen in, the how-to nuggets come from my experiences with clients, maybe part of my masterminds, my group sessions. And so I'm bringing real-world scenarios to the Hanches how-tos. And the first one that I wanted to bring, Lem, to, to our listeners today was that excuses become fuel for complacency. Mm-hmm. Let me say this one again. Mm-hmm. Excuses become fuel for complacency. Yeah. And nobody ever admits that they're an excuse maker. Uh, but from the words of the great Ron Hancher, my father, who used to always tell me, he would say, Jeff, if you get good at making excuses, you won't need to be good at anything else. Meaning, I love that quote. <laughs> you'll become a professional excuse maker. Yep. And um, look, I get why excuses happen. And I want to share a story with the listener that prompted this uh, this point to share you all with share with you all. I have this client that has been having uh, what I would call some chronic turnover issues. And as of late, the messaging has been that of why the candidate uh, that turned over was a bad fit, mm-hmm. uh, why they failed, why they're not a good culture fit, how they don't listen, how they don't follow instructions on down the list, excuses, why I'll tell you this, Jeff, they're all turning over, but they're not, it's not my fault. Let Mm -hmm. me tell you why they're turning over because of this, because of that, because of the other thing. Now, the good news is, is that I have a great relationship with this leader and they're very open to candid feedback, which is how you grow as a leader. The essence of my feedback was that whether it's the employee uh, turnover uh, or it's poor performance, or whatever it might be that is causing you pain uh, or poor performance, as a leader, we have got to own it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what the problem is, what is the setback as a leader, we have got to own it. I explained to this leader that turnover is always the leader's fault. And here's why it is, and this can be debated, but here's why I believe it is. You either hired the wrong person or you develop them poorly. And I'll get people say, well, Jeff, they left for $40,000 more, whatever it might be. We got to own it. You either bought them uh, the wrong person on the team or you didn't develop them the right way. Now, this leader is a true competitor that rarely loses and they have a hard time losing. And this is what's causing this excuse dynamic. Mm. Most successful leaders that I run into, Lem. Uh, business owners, they fall into the category of winning a lot. That's why yep. they're in the role. Yep. And if this is you, I want I want this to be a moment that you take inventory of how much are you owning the failures, the setbacks that we encounter in our businesses. Because yep. we know failures happen, we know setbacks happen. The question is, are you owning them? Mm-hmm. Always remember that great leaders give credit and and uh, and they take blame. You always are giving credit when things are going well and you're taking blame when they're not. When something goes wrong, a true leader doesn't find excuses or blame other people. They put aside their ego and they take full responsibility for the outcomes and and they review what they have to do differently as a leader to create success. Yeah. If, If an underperformer is dragging the team down, it's the leader's role to train and mentor that person. Not say they suck because they're dragging the team down, uh, they're, they're, they are they're have a bad attitude, uh, they don't follow instruction. No, it's your job and your responsibility as a leader to train and mentor that person. If people aren't doing what they should, guess what? It's your responsibility to clarify the mission and the action plan, get their commitment, and equip them to perform their roles. Yep. And this is going to require you, the leader, to put aside your own ego and review what you have to do differently as a leader to create this success dynamic. And this is going to this is going to take a lot on your part because this is going to involve accepting criticisms, finding the right resources, winning the hearts and minds of your people, building clarity, building process, and down the list, we have to own it. You know, I think of... Um, I think of, you know, we're, we're, we're knee deep here in uh, in football season. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, uh, my beloved Steelers, who I know, Lem, you're, you're not a Steelers fan, but you are in Steeler country. I respect them. You got to respect Mike Tomlin at a press conference. Yeah, Like, this guy's one-liners are just amazing. (laughs) I mean, amazing. (laughs) But here's something I love about Coach Tomlin, and here's something that I love about most great coaches, especially after a big loss. You will never find a world-class coach in the NFL after a big loss that gets up behind that microphone on a podium and the first reporter says, what went wrong, coach? You never hear a coach say, our quarterback sucked today. Yeah. Our offensive line uh, gassed out in the fourth quarter. You know, never. They say, I, I got to do a better job preparing my team. Yeah. I think these are some areas that I let the team down. But I can assure you, we're going to make the proper adjustments we need to make. And next Sunday, we're going to get on the gridiron, and you're going to see a different team. Yeah, That's ownership. Yep. That is absolute ownership. As the great Jocko Willick once said, there are no bad teams. They're just bad leaders. Yep. And if you want to go get a dose of what extreme ownership looks like, go check out Jocko's uh, recent post that he did uh, after this. Um, I'm just going to say it. It was a debacle in Afghanistan. I'm not here to point blame, but here's what I will tell you. It's a mess mm-hmm. and ownership needs to take place. Yeah, And Jocko did a, uh, let's call it a role play on what he would say. If he were the president of the United States after what happened in Afghanistan, and I'll bet you whether you agree with what's going on or not, what no matter what political side you stand on, everybody can agree on owning the problem. Right. And Jocko spells this out very, very nicely, as he does in his book, Extreme Ownership. The bottom line is, Lem, listener, we have got to own the problems. we got to own the turnover. We are not pushing blame. The blame sits on us. If yep. we win, the team did it. If we lose, it's the leader's fault and we've got to own it. Absolutely agree, man. There's no way to get to the to the core
0: of the issue without first acknowledging that we need to do better. So, great advice. Absolutely great advice. Spot on, too, cuz ownership is something that can either be skirted or embraced. And when it's embraced, then you get true change, you know.
1: Well, not to mention the respect that you get from your team. Exactly. Because exactly. you know, after a loss, here, here's what I'm thinking about, too. After a loss, when that coach goes to that podium and, and literally falls on the sword, mm-hmm. and if that happens too many times in the NFL, you're going to be out of a job, by the way, very yeah, quickly. True. It is yeah. thankless. Oh, yeah. How many times have we seen, Lim, that star players, captains of these teams, will do their press conference and they'll say something like this, I'm just upset that I put coach in this position. Right. Right. Extreme ownership. Yep. If that coach goes up and blasts the player, whatever, you're not going to get any respect or brownie points that way. No, none. none. When the Even coach the, owns correct. it, you start rallying that locker room. Yep. And it's, it becomes a rallying cry. Exactly. Even when it's not the coach's fault, it's the player's fault. Yep. Because here's the reality leaders, you know, especially those of you that are leading big org charts. There's a lot that can go wrong with people. And you would be uh, right in saying whose fault it was. Mm-hmm. Many times there's a smoking gun. Like you can see it. They're holding the gun. It's smoking. That does not give you the right to point finger and point blame. As right. a leader, you've got to own it. It's a great way to get respect of your team and create a battle cry for your team to come to your rescue because now you're the one bleeding.
0: Right. So right.
1: I think it's, uh, it's worth noting that. Um, let me dive into number two. Number cool. two is don't be so quick to rush to a solution if you don't really understand the problem. I love that. And love that. this gets back to this um, these trends, right? Here's what we know about great leaders, great companies that are being built. They're, they, they usually go at a pretty high pace. Mm-hmm. They're very fast paced. Um, we have leaders that are extremely decisive. They like to solve problems. They like to move on. Well, there's risk that comes with that. And the risk that comes with that sometimes is we move so fast that we, we're fixing a problem that isn't even the problem. Mm-hmm. We think it's the problem. You know, it's very similar to, you know, any vehicle. You know, if you hear, uh, uh, and Lem, you're a master mechanic, you hear a noise underneath the hood and uh, you hear this racking underneath the hood. What you don't do is go under there with your tools and start taking parts off.
0: Oh, there's diagnosis
1: that has to happen. Yes. Even if you are pretty sure that you know what it is, there's a process of elimination so that we can get to the root problem. It's just like going to the doctor's office. I don't care if you have an ingrown toenail. The first thing they're doing is checking your blood pressure, checking your pulse, checking your temperature. And in your mind, you might be like, what's this have to do with my toe? Well, we need to find out, are there bigger problems? Are there underlying issues? Are we going to do the diagnostics before we even get to the toe? Mm -hmm. So many times, we'll rush right into something and we'll start fixing the problem that's not even the problem. Why I wanted to talk about this was I have a client who who, um, has been facing a cash flow issue and they wanted to stop sales to reduce labor costs. What we learned was that it was more of an AR issue than an expense issue. And without going into the dynamic of this business, the essence was they wanted to stop top line revenue for the sake of not paying out uh, because they saw their cash flow tightening and panic kind of set in. And uh, the benefit of being a consultant is you're not emotionally attached and you can start being the voice of reason. Mm -hmm. And what we found was, is that this was not an expense issue. A little bit. We We had to control some expense there. But what we found was this was really an AR issue. Uh, we had terms that were too wide, and so we had money going out, but we were waiting too long to get the invoices paid, and that strapped our cash. Mm-hmm. And this this uh, could have been a a real problem had we started fixing the wrong problem, because it would have it would have stunted the growth and the profit of the company for the long term goals. Now look, when you stop sales uh, that you're paying out, of course. That's a short-term strategy. But this this dynamic allowed us to play the short game and the long game by going straight into the AR issue. Most often, when we go too fast in creating solutions, we're left with a lot of cleanup to do, not to mention a lot of employee frustration. Mm -hmm. Here, here, I want to give some steps to consider when you're faced with an issue that needs resolved that could be devastating to your business. And this could be a whole podcast, but I just want to give you some quick nuggets. The first thing you have to do is you have to identify the real problem. Yeah, this is the first step to solving a problem is knowing what the problem is. And this might seem obvious. However, many many leaders they are not spending enough time defining problems, and as a result, they implement a solution prematurely. Mm-hmm. For you all to truly define a problem, there's some questions you have to ask yourself. The first one that's the most obvious is what is the problem? Yeah. What what should we be achieving instead? Okay, this is a problem. What's the ideal state? And and one of the final questions you have to ask is, how can I achieve this solution quickly, but efficiently? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we go too fast in the quickly part, and we just want to get it off our plate. It's hemorrhage. We got to go. The bleeding's got to stop. And we do something so fast, but we can't forget the efficient part. Once the issue is identified, you're going to be able to form an action plan for it with your team. That leads us to step number two, which is evaluate the problem. The next step prompts the leader to find the root cause of the problem. And this is done by looking for patterns, asking questions about uh, the famous things, the what, the who, the where, the when, and the how to better understand the impact of this issue that you're having. We have to remember, this is not about assigning blame. Instead, as a leader, we should be evaluating and understand all the angles of the issue so that action can be taken. I should say proper action can be taken to move forward. This is a great time in the process to caucus with other great leaders on your team and frontline employees when applicable. Mm -hmm. When it is applicable and it doesn't, it's not going to compromise privacy or whatever it might be, legal, HR stuff, get your frontline involved. Because I can tell you time and time again, when I was in the midst of many, many problem solving cases, my frontline employees usually were the best problem solvers and had the best answers to our biggest problems. Involve the frontline when you can. The third step is communication. Nice. We've got to communicate to the team. Not many people are resilient to change, even when the change is good. It doesn't matter if you serve pizza every single day for lunch for two years and you say, hey, great news. Uh, We're we're graduating to filet mignons. Somebody's going to be upset. It's a higher quality food, but somebody's going to be upset. So (laughs) not everybody is resilient to change. Transparency is always a good start to communication. We've got to be very clear about our plan of action with the teams that we lead. By showing the people on your team that you're transparent, you're going to gain a lot of respect. Remember, people who are supporting the solution, they need to stay motivated and invested until the task is very much so resolved, meaning you can't just bring them in and then leave them in the dark and hope that things go well. Sometimes we get it right where we communicate early but then we stop the communication. Mm -hmm. If you have a team member or key stakeholders that are typically most resistant to these kinds of changes, and you probably already know who they are, as I'm saying this, these are the people that have a problem for every solution. What you should consider is involving them at the point of creation. Why is this important? When you involve that uh, problem child into the (laughs) the solution creating, it's going to be very tough for them to say this was a dumb idea. Because they had a part to play in creating the idea. Yeah. When it makes sense, get your problem child at the solution creation table. It will save you a lot of headaches and they will become one of your greatest advocates and one of your greatest ambassadors as you launch this change. The fourth thing, uh, once we're in launch mode, is to test and improve the solution. You always hear me say on this show, it's tough to steer a parked car. You got to get the thing going. Yeah. Change management is often like that. We almost have to go into change assuming that the first version is not going to be the version. We're going to have to make adjustments along the way. We're going to have to make tweaks along the way. But here's reality. Mistakes can only be evaluated from a hindsight perspective. That's why we can't be afraid to get the wheels turning. Errors that occur should be a part of growth and development. Leaders should use these mistakes to improve their approach. And the most important thing about solutions is that they should be continuously improved over time. Yep. We, when we're doing this, we can't stop communicating these adjustments to the team. Thank them for their effort in, in this change and always be reminding them of how everyone is going to win when we accomplish the mission. Yep. When we as leaders develop strong problem-solving skills, it is going to be a critical, critical part in becoming a successful leader follow these brief steps the next time you run into this type of resistance and i assure you it will help boost your effectiveness your productivity and it will help you catch any red flags before they hit love it
0: absolutely love it yeah man that's those are some great nuggets i'd say because we need we need we need to know how to handle these problems you know not jumping straight into it not just trying to fix it the same way we did last time or assuming we know the fix before we even evaluate, that yeah. always leads to a non-great result, we'll say.
1: <laughs> well, the, the, the thing too is uh, problems are inevitable. Yep. Uh, especially if you're in a progressive company, you almost have a culture of problems happening. Yeah. So when you create that culture, culture of you know, being progressive, you're kind of conditioning people that um, there's going to be some bumps in the road. Exactly. But if you're great at problem solving, you can be progressive and efficient. And so mm-hmm. it's got to be a culture. So if there's going to be an area as a leader that you need to get good at, spend time at, look in the mirror, uh, this is one of those times. Maybe you're new to leadership. Maybe you're an entrepreneur and you haven't really been developed and uh, you're running into brick wall after brick wall. If that's yeah. you, I'd love to help you. Shoot me an yep. email, jeff at jeffhanchard.com. Let's get on the phone for 30 minutes and and figure it out. We got a team behind me here that's uh, it's ready to serve. That's why this business was created, was to help yeah. people that have big dreams and big passion get to where they need to go. So it would be an honor and a privilege to help you out.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, hey, that is a wrap for us today, everyone. We covered one, excuses becoming the fuel for complacency, and two, not being quick to rush to solutions if we don't really understand the real problem, listen, make sure, make sure, make sure you get the show notes so you can review them by yourself or even as a team, you know, as a training discussion. So you can get them at jeffhancher.com forward slash show notes. So thank you all for joining us and investing your time to become the leader that you are called to be and that we know you can be as well. And until we meet again, be sure that you remind yourself that you have been set up to be a champion in this life the champion forum podcast with jeff hancher
1: lead inspire win